We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are live. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single day. Night. My name is Rob Dosser. We are presented by our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook, and I am joined by my lovely, lovely co-hosts, the one and only Jim Root, the star of the Three Man Weave, who hosts our Best Bets show every single day at one o'clock during the week at eleven fifteen p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, I'm sorry, eleven fifteen a.m. Eastern Time during the week, and I'm also joined uh, by Jeff Goodman, who we're, we're going to try to limit how much he's allowed to speak during the show. Just so you guys know, starting on Monday, every single night, we are going to be on Sirius XM channel 84. That's the ESPNU station. So make sure that you tuned in there. Gentlemen, how are we doing today, man? It was a great day of college basketball. Jim, what's up, man? Welcome on to the show. Yeah, it's good. You got me in primetime Saturday, big time slate, but it is shoehorned before the serious deal starts. I see what you're doing. You're, you're giving me a little handout before the big time really starts. I, I get it. I'm okay with it. No, no, this is a big one. No, don't, don't, <laughs> don't sell yourself short here. This is a big time spot. And to be, there's a lot of pressure on you in this show, Jim, a lot. Hey, I'll carry you both. I'll do what I can. All right. So the way that I want to start off this show tonight is I, I want to get your biggest storyline from each of you from today's games we had a lot of, we had uh, six teams that were unranked knockoff ranked opponents we had a couple really big performances from some of the blue bloods uh, we saw auburn thrive we saw gonzaga thrive we're gonna have to have a conversation about who the number one team in the country should be on monday morning but first and foremost jim i'm going to you first on this one what was your biggest saturday storyline it, maybe it's not the biggest, but we're saving a couple for the rest of the show. Uh, I'm, I'm going with the question marks that continue to surround this Texas team. I, I just don't know that they're legitimate right now. They haven't really gotten things figured out. The cohesion has not come together the way they were hoping. They go to Hilton Magic and they kind of get dominated. I mean, it wasn't like a blowout, but they were down 10 basically the entire second half. Iowa State, the team that was picked dead last in the coaches poll unanimously, which Chris Beard tried to refute in the post-game press conference. He said he did not vote Iowa State last, but the records are, or the results are the results. I'm just a little worried that the Longhorns are not where we thought they would be at this point, and maybe they're just going to be the most dangerous eight or nine seed in the history of the NCAA tournament. Is that where we're headed? Possibly. In, in Beard, I trust. That's all I have to say. He will figure it out. It's slower than usual. Um, I, I know everybody says, well, he's underachieved the last few years. I get it. It's still his first year at Texas. He threw a bunch of dudes together, transfers, holdovers, uh, one of which had won an NCAA tournament game in the past. So I actually think if you had told the Texas Longhorns after they fired Shotka that they would have a team with this talent that is actually relevant, they probably would have taken it. Anyway, all right, my, mine, the Kentucky Wildcats. How do we not go with a – they are relevant. Like, they finally have beaten somebody because beating Carolina by 100, I'm not sure there was beating somebody. You know, this, this to me, they blasted a ranked Tennessee team, and they didn't just blast them. And I know we'll get into it later, so I'm not going to go deep into it right now. But we saw Ty Ty Washington and Severe Wheeler not just coexist but thrive together. And that two-guard, two-point guard lineup is what I envisioned. This was the Kentucky team that I ranked fourth in the preseason. This was the one that I thought could cut down the nets in New Orleans. Yeah, I, I, we're, we're going to talk plenty about Kentucky. Just real quick before we do, my biggest storyline 
Number one loss, man. Twice in a week at home, the number one team in the country lost. The Baylor Bears went down to Oklahoma State. They almost fought back. Uh, they were down by as many as 17 points in that game. And then Adam Flagler had a couple of ugly turnovers down the stretch. Uh, that might have cost me a few shekels, but it is what it is. Uh, but we're, we'll get into that in a little bit. I, I want to start with Kentucky because I do think that that, uh, that story is the most interesting one. I'm going to throw some, some stats at you guys, okay? Uh, Kentucky won that, that game 107-79. to 79. Tennessee coming in was ranked as the number two defense. In all of college basketball on Ken Palm. Goodman, I know you don't like Ken Palm. You got a couple of uh, of Ken Palm. No, no, I don't I don't dislike Ken Palm. Can I can I set the record straight with one line on that? I don't like Ken Palm in the first month or so of the season because it's too predictive. I starting now, I'm gonna start quoting Ken Palm more than anybody on the planet because <laughs> no, I'm no, a you, believer no, now. You won't. No, yes. you won't. Yes. No, 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 you won't. Anyway, yes. uh Kentucky became just the second team this season to shoot 65% from the floor and 60% from three against the division one opponent. The only other team that did it was UMBC against American Kentucky did it against the number two defense in college basketball. This was the first time that somebody had a 60, 60, 90 game in the sec since the 1990s and the 67.9% that the Kentucky Wildcats shot from the floor was the best that someone has shot from the floor in a Coach Cal game this season. Goodman, talk to me about these Wildcats. You, you took a little longer to, uh, to to come onto the bandwagon than some of us. but I, I did, mean, they're because good, they, hadn't, they hadn't beaten anybody. I know they had beaten some teams and blasted them. Again, Carolina, Western Kentucky, uh, they played well uh, of late for the most part, but they didn't have a resume win until today. And they've got one. And again, I just wanted to see Ty Ty beat Ty Ty. And it took him honestly severe wheeler getting hurt in order to do that because you were able to put the ball in his hands more instead of just playing him at the two now he became more of a one the last couple of games and to be honest he got his confidence back i don't think he had it through a lot of this year now he's got that swagger back you got those two and the best part of today for kentucky oscar didn't have to dominate what do you have nine points he had nine points davion mince made shots this, again, this is why I love this Kentucky team. I think Ty Ty's their best player, their most talented player, but you've got multiple guys who can make shots from the wing. When is the last time we could say that about a John Calipari team? It's been forever, but you got Ty Ty. You've obviously got Mitch. you got Kellen Grady. Those are three guys. I, I, they've got experience. They've got everything on this team that they need, but they hadn't really shown until today. Yeah, I, I think if you had, had said Kentucky shot 65% from the field, they'd be like, well, Chibway probably went 18 of 20 or something, right? Like he just dominated the paint. That wasn't the case. You mentioned Ty Ty getting his swagger back. I think it helped Mintz too. Like he, he just, he became needed for them rather than just an accessory. And, and that just kind of helped him find his role. I, I love what Calipari is doing with this team. This is the second fastest offensive possession length he's had since he's taken over at Kentucky. Uh, the only other one that was faster was De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk. He let those guys go. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's doing it with Wheeler and Washington, and that gets them a lot easier shots in transition. You get quick buckets. You get open threes for Kellen Grady in, in transition. He can set up and, and knock those down. I just like the way that they've infused transition into the attack, and, and Shibway's mobile enough to get down there and win the glass even in transition. It's just – it's a harmonious attack, and when they're as hot as they were today, it, it, no one can stop them, including the number two defense. Yeah, for me, there's two reasons why I think that it really makes sense for them to run as much as possible. One, Oscar Sheway is going to be able to rebound as well as two different guys, right? Like, you you don't have to worry about having everybody go to the offensive glass when you have the dude that is literally the best defensive rebounder in all of college basketball on the floor with you. And two, when you're in transition, that is where Severe Wheeler thrives. And where he struggles is going to be in the half court because he can't really shoot. And what you need are shooters to be able to pull people away from Oscar Sheba. If you want to build this team around the big fella, you got to be able to create to create space for him inside. And and I don't know if you can do that with Severe Wheeler trying to play a half court game. Let him run, man. That's where he thrives. Let me ask you guys this. They gave up 79 points uh, to a Tennessee team that is not great offensively. They allowed Tennessee to shoot 53.4% from the floor. Tennessee hit 11 for 23 from three. Uh, Jim, I'm going to you first on this one. Are you worried about Kentucky defensively? Maybe a little. I mean, there's there's still not like a great individual defender team, especially on the wing. That's not really what Kellen Grady's best at. And if you want to throw Jacob Toppin out there, 
then you're maybe taking a slight hit offensively. But sometimes there are just games like this where you're going up and down, your offense is really clicking, and maybe it hurts the defense a little you, you can, because you know you can go back and score right away the other time. I, I, I feel like I've been in games like that where it just turns into a, a shootout. So, yeah, not a great performance against a Tennessee offense that has really struggled in, in some big games. But I think the story is more the offense and the fact that we know that Kentucky now has that gear. That should be the thing that's scary to me, Jeff. But Jeff, let me ask you this. Are they good enough to, to beat out Auburn for an SEC title? Do you think we're at that point yet? Hell yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, they don't have anybody that can match up with Jabari, right? I mean, that's going to be the issue, but I don't know if Auburn's who, who small does? guards. I, well, I don't know if Auburn's small guards either are going to be able to match up with like Ty Ty. I just think Ty Ty is still scratching the surface of what he's going to become. I, I really believe that. And I believe you're going to see the ball in his hands more. Again, his confidence, is, it, you could see the difference. Trust me. I mean, I've watched this team enough over the first, you know, two and a half months even in the preseason, I think he's got that back. So, yes, I, I think Kentucky is right there with Auburn. I know right now they're not. You have to put Auburn um, at one or two, and we'll get into that debate here soon. But ultimately, I, I think Kentucky's still coming. I still think they've got a, a ways to go and their ceiling because they have so many guys that really haven't played with, enough, with one another. I mean, if you think about it, Severe, again, he's been hurt. you got these transfers, freshmen. Guys, I, and, and now they got the the holdovers are role guys. That's what they should be. Yes. That's what they should be on this team, and that's what they are now. Yep, I, I agree 100%. I don't know if I would say that they're able to uh, compete with Auburn for an SEC regular season title. I just think Auburn is that good, which actually you mentioned number one versus number two debate. Let's, let's get into it right now, man. Auburn knocked off Ole Miss on the road. Uh, 80 to 71. They were down by as many as I think 15 in the first half, came back and won. They are now 16 and 1 overall and 5 and 0 in the SEC. Gonzaga, they put up 115 on Santa Clara. They've scored 110 points in three straight games. They are 14 and 2 overall, 3 and 0 in the WCC, and they blew out BYU. Jin, you have an AP vote. I'm giving it to you right now. On Monday morning, who are you voting? Number one. I'm honored. I'm putting Auburn there. I know that's probably going to stir some, some issues and, and cause some controversy, but their only losses in double overtime, crazy, crazy game. Who beat and them? Yeah, Who beat them? Who beat them? Oh man. I don't know. This team up in the Northeast. Can't remember. The, can't remember the school. <laughs> good. I'm, I'm glad you got that in there. I hope you feel good about yourself. I, I, I do. Always, I do. <laughs> yeah. uh, but honestly, I, I've been just mega impressed with Auburn. And, and to me, they have all the pieces like getting Flanagan back has given them kind of a wing connector, the versatile athlete playmaker that they didn't have to go with the small guards and the versatile bigs that they had. So now they have him back. They have the shot blocking. They have some shooting. Wendell Green's emerged as like a key star at point guard. Um, I, I'm going to give them the slight nod right now, especially because look, they just went to Alabama and kind of took it to them. And that's an Alabama team that crushed Gonzaga up in Seattle. So I'm giving Auburn that slight nod. Maybe transitive property shouldn't apply, but I'm giving it to them here. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, to me, this one's close. It, it's super close. And um, normally, I, I would be the guy that would just go up against uh, that really, really, really annoying fan base that is the Auburn Tigers. But I'm going to give it to Auburn, too. I'm going Auburn number one, boys. Auburn number one. I don't know where my Auburn hat is. Is it back there? No, it's not back there. It's on the floor over there. But whatever the case, I'm going Auburn number one. Um, because I think they played better recently. And I think one of the wins that we really started to kind of uh, gauge Gonzaga was that Texas win. And now, like Jim said, Texas hasn't done shit. They haven't done anything. So to me, that one you could throw out the window for right now. Uh, I, I think Auburn's, you know, look at Murray State. They beat Murray State. Murray State pounded the crap out of Belmont at Belmont today. That's a pretty good Murray State team. They beat LSU. I know LSU lost it at Arkansas, but I think their body of work um, justifies them being number one. And, man, I'll tell you what, Wendell Green has been way better um, than I thought, than Bruce Pearl thought. He admitted that on the uh, Goodman and Hummel podcast, that he wasn't sure how good Green was. And, man, that kid has big, big cojones. I, I mean, that was that was the thing about why people were down on Auburn, right? They were – Yes. 
they were worried about the point guard play. And it wasn't like that staff was out here telling everybody, no, you're wrong. Our point guards are going to be great. Right. I think that they privately had some of their own concerns about what their guards were going to be in terms of what the resume is uh, for looking at it right now. Gonzaga is four and two against quad one opponents and one and oh against quad two opponents. Auburn is four and one against quad one and six and oh against quadrant two. If we were doing a bracket right now, there is very little justification for Gonzaga being over Auburn. Uh, if you're talking about who would win right now on a neutral court, I think you would probably have to say Auburn just because I think they have good enough guards to be able to kind of take away some of what um, Gonzaga wants to do. I think they can force turnovers. I think I'm they can pressure that. people and make I'm Gonzaga uncomfortable. Uh, that, it's going to be one of those things where like uh, you play 11 times and it goes to the 11th game. And for the record, like, can we can we schedule that game? Is it too late to make that happen? Can you, can no, you text, it, put, put Bruce Pearl and Mark Few on the thread right now and say we need this game uh, to happen? I'm going right? to do it right now. Yeah, do I'm it right do now. That. See what I'm going to do it right. No, no. You yeah. think I'm kidding? I'm going to no, do it I, right now. I I know you're not kidding. There are probably people that are listening to this right now that think that you're kidding. You're not. You're doing it right now. Uh, anyway, I think I would probably go um, with with Auburn in that spot. But like I said, I, I mean, you're kind of you're you're, you're nitpicking there. Right. Rob, I'll so, be the, I'll be the annoying gambling guy that says Gonzaga would be a slight favorite on a neutral. I, I think that that would be yeah. okay. No, and I would I would love that because I would be all over Auburn right there. And, and look, Auburn right now on Kempom, which is where all of these these books kind of get their uh, a lot of like the, the, these places set their lines from based off of those numbers. Uh, Auburn is only ninth on Kempom right now. And do you know where Gonzaga is ranked, Jim? Numero yeah, uno. Yes. Numero uno. Numero uno. So um, that is definitely something that we're factoring as well. All right. Uh, this is the field of 68 after dark for people that are listening. My name is Rob Doster. I'm joined right now by stadium insider, Jeff Goodman and Jim root from the three man. Weave. you can follow him on Twitter at second chance points. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube. Please like rate review, do all of those nice things. It really does help us out. Uh, you can also listen to us on Sirius XM channel 84, the ESPN news station beginning on Monday night all right guys we got to talk a little bit about the blue bloods because they rolled today uh duke blew out nc state after getting down early kansas blew out uh west virginia after getting down early and kentucky rolled over tennessee goodman i'm going to you first on this one I, I, we can't bring up kentucky because we just talked about them enough but who are you more impressed by duke or kansas with the wins that they got today um i don't know if i was more impressed with either i think there were certain things of each team that impressed me, obviously. And I think it was the bigs. I think when you look at it, you look at the bigs on both teams and say to yourself, all right, Kansas desperately needs David McCormick. So I think that was more important. David McCormick and Jalen Wilson, both having big games. That's more important to me than anything that happened for Duke. I know Mark Williams is capable of those games. I also know that the, the, the wealth is spread on that Duke team. Trevor Keels played better today. That was a good sign. You know, mm -hmm. passed the ball, made some threes. He's had a rough go since really the Champions Classic to some extent. But to me, David McCormick is the absolute key uh, for Kansas. Think about this. Last year, the first 10 games of the year, he averaged nine and a half points a game. The rest of the year, he averaged 15 and a half. This year, he was at eight points a game before today. So he's got to turn it on. Because especially with the way Bill Self plays and the way that he loves to utilize his big, and there's nobody better, right, at teaching um, entry passes to their guards, no matter who their guards are. Somehow they always get the ball to the big in a place where they can score. And that's been the case with McCormick. McCormick just can't damn score half the time, right? I mean, he comes up short when he's five feet away on that turnaround. Well, he was making it tonight. If he can get his swagger back and Jalen Wilson, who missed the first three games and just hasn't kind of found his footing yet, if he can get back and they can get Remy Martin back healthy, I still think this team can be a contender for, for certainly a Final Four in a national title. Yeah, it seems like Self has been trying to push every button possible with McCormick, you know, with the benching him and doing all the all different rotations. And I think that's his acknowledgement of how important it is that McCormick finds his groove and gets going. He knows Lightfoot is consistent, but he doesn't have the upside, the, the ceiling that McCormick offers. Uh, Rob, one thing with, with Duke that I wanted to point out, and we saw it with Shire taking over last game, 
the Roach to the bench, Keels to the starting point guard spot, going with a bigger lineup. Keels had nine assists, two turnovers today. Griffin's been just a total revelation for them lately now that he's healthier. That, I, I think, changes the level for them. They can play we big, love they this? can play small. Right. Doesn't that- everybody love this, Jim? Like, yeah. who, who wouldn't like? Like, Roach should have been on the bench. No disrespect to him, but Roach belongs as your backup point guard. That He's great as that. He is. What are you laughing at, yeah. Rob? It's, he's accepting the no, role. That's, no, that's good. no disrespect, but this dude sucks. No, they've got five guys. <laughs> now they're starting five dudes that could all be drafted in the first round. I just, I'm just laughing because whenever you say no disrespect, I know, I know. but I you know, nice, something, something massively yeah, disrespectful yeah. is about to come out of Goodman's yeah. mouth and it always, usually it's a lot worse, but you're right. You. <laughs> you know, you're, you're right though, because it, it creates another threat. Like, I don't think that you need a natural point guard on the floor when you have guys that can pass like Wendell Moore and that can pass like Paolo Vancaro and that can create like Trevor Keels, right? Like you have three different guys that can initiate something in the half court, you don't have to have a possession point guard out there. You don't need it, especially when the five guys out there are all going to be first round picks. And I know Goodman, you're not, you're totally against the idea of Trevor Keels being a first rounder, but no, I'm not totally. No, I'm, I'm against him being a lottery pick. Remember, that's what I said to you. I said, some people still have in the lottery. I, I, I just, I don't see that. I see him as, you know, being a 25 to 40 guy, to be honest. When, when Keels is, when Keels is the point guard and they've got that five group, at the weave, we talk about get off the bus teams. There is no better get off the bus lineup that's terrifying <laughs> no, to look right, at right. than that five group with uh, Williams, Bancaro, Keels, yeah. Moore. Uh, that that group is terrifying, and that's they're just going to bully teams with that with yeah. that five. Yeah, you know, you know what I think is if they can get Joey Baker going, where he can be a guy that could just stand at the three point line and make forty percent of his open threes, that changes what they can be. Because all of a sudden you can comfortably go to lineups where you put Paolo at the five and just space everything out. Until if Joey Baker can be a 40% guy and, and get you 10, 12, 14 minutes, just kind of giving, you know, AJ Griffin a rest here and giving Wendell Moore a rest there. Like I think that changes what their ceiling could end up being this year. And 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 I think that that he ends up being kind of a difference maker. Oddly enough, Joey Baker is the guy that we're talking about with this Duke team. But I, well, I Theo wanna... John too. I think Theo John's very important too, coming off the bench, giving him physicality. He was great early in the season, and then he had kind of disappeared. He had a good game today. Yeah, he. I mean, he needed it. Um, Mark, did did you see this coming with Mark Williams? Did you know that he was going to be this kind of a rim protector? Um. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think we knew he was going to be good, but I don't think we knew he was going to be this dominant, especially. Jim, at the beginning of last year when we didn't see him, remember like, yeah. like a year ago, they weren't winning and Kay still wasn't playing him until I felt like it was almost like mid, like this time of year, like yeah, late the, January. My, my, my buddy Matt at the Weave is a Duke fan and he was screaming like, play Mark Williams, play Mark Williams. He was all about the breakout coming in this year. And he was terrific in that game against Gonzaga here in Vegas. He was awesome shutting down Timmy there. That, that was kind of like the coming out party. But then eight blocks today against an NC State team that loves to slash. Like he just took away the rim from a team that needs to score there. And if he can do can do that consistently, like I, I don't know what you do against the Blue Devils. Yeah, I think it's an interesting comparison with Auburn and Duke because they've both kind of taken a step forward because of the the breakouts of these sophomore guys. And I think that that is an example of why college basketball is so balanced this year in years where you don't have to worry about um, like the isolation of the COVID and and having a weird freshman season. I don't know if we get Mark Williams and Walker Kessler back. I think those are two guys that really kind of got, had the advantage of being able to come back for another year. And all of a sudden we see how good those two dudes are. Jim, I'm putting you on the spot. You got to pick one Mark Williams or Walker Kessler right now. Who you got? I'm going Kessler. I, he's just got a little more offensive skill to him. Uh, Williams is probably slightly better. Rim, no, no. I, you know what? I'm going Kessler, and I'm, I'm saying it confidently. Walker Kessler. Yeah, I, I think I'm there too. Walker Kessler, I believe he is leading the nation in uh, in block percentage. Yeah, he's leading the nation of block percentage on Ken Palm, and he can also step out and make a three uh, if you need him. So you don't want to shoot a lot. He's shooting 16% from three. Uh, we call that the Goodman if you shoot 16% um, from <laughs> I was at three. All right. My 12 YMCA. You were a 12% yeah. shooter. That a boy. No, I'm not. <laughs> this is the uh for those listening, this is the field of 68. After dark, my name is Rob Doster. I have stadium insider Jeff Goodman and Jim Root from the three-man weave with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit that like button. Please 
leave a comment. All that interaction really does help us out. It helps grow the channel. Uh, we talked about Kansas. I think at this point, you can probably say that Kansas is, once again, the favorite to win the Big 12 gym because Baylor, the number one team what? in all of the land. Jim, what out. is he saying? Jim, he's already, in one week, he's he's completely changed his his tune to now Baylor's got no chance of winning the Big 12. Well, Did I gotta, say that? They got, they got a say chance. That? I didn't say that. I think you can comfortably say that Kansas is the favorite because Baylor just lost twice at home. We know how important it is to be able to get those home games. They lost to Oklahoma State and Texas Tech at home. Those are two games that if you're going to win this conference, you probably need to be able to get at home. So, Jim, am I crazy? Am I talking crazy? Am I losing my mind? I don't think I'm no, losing my mind. No, not at all. I mean, I think you can, like, directly compare it to Kansas squeaking out that win this week against Iowa State at home. Like, that's the kind of game you need to get if you're going to win the conference. And Baylor just had two where they weren't able to do it. Like, they had it down to a one-point game, one-possession game, both times at home in Waco, crowd behind them. And they just couldn't come up with the play to get over the hump. And, you know, I, I think they were the worthy number one beforehand, but that, that little sequence, not, not able to find open shots. I mean, like Sohan being out hurts, but that's not affecting the offense. So it's weird to see them struggle to create shots, struggle to hit shots when they get open ones. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think Kansas does nudge ahead just because of the advantage of not having two home losses so, on the ledger. So, so I have a take on that and, and I'm curious, Jeff, I'm going to throw this to you and, and I want to know what you think. Um, I mentioned in the preseason that my biggest concern with Baylor was the fact that they had little guards, right? Like James Akinjo is not all that tall. Adam Flagler is not all that tall. LJ Cryer, not all that tall. Those guys are really good. Yep. They're not really big. And Oklahoma State and Texas Tech both are long, rangy, athletic, versatile, switch everything, throw different defenses at you, don't let you win by running your stuff, right? That, that's kind of what they are defensively. And I think when you have those smaller guards, you run into a situation where all of a sudden, if Adonis Arms, who's six foot six and 24 years old and completely jacked, is kind of overwhelming some of these guys, they can have a little bit of trouble creating off the bounce. And I think that that's what we saw with these two games is some of the limitations that come with the fact that uh, their, their guards, who are really good, are also, you know, six foot, six one. To me, last year's team was a bunch of MFers. That's the difference to me. It's like last year's team, if they had lost the game, they would have come out in the first 10 minutes today and absolutely taken that team to the woodshed. An Oklahoma State team that has nothing to play for all year, right? They're not playing for a Big 12 tournament. They're not playing for an NCAA tournament. They're banned from both. Last year, Davion Mitchell would not have let that happen. That, that's, that's my first take is this team isn't last year's team. Last year's team was also on a mission because the tournament had been shut down the year before and they thought they could win the whole thing. This is a completely different team. They're very good, but they're not at that level of, of last year in terms of their killer instinct, in my opinion. Number two, there's no home court advantage in Waco. It's not a home court advantage, guys. In fact, it, it might be a disadvantage when you compare it to all the other places in the Big 12, right? I mean, five gallon, we know what that is, but Iowa State, Really good. Kansas State, really good. Like, those are the bottom two teams in the league, and they have legitimate home court advantages. Waco, Texas, he doesn't have that. Scott Drew in that team. So, listen, and the other, the most important thing that I haven't said, you know who wasn't on the court the last nine-plus minutes? James Akinjo. He yep. was hurt. He was mm -hmm. hurt. They don't have another point guard. I'm tired of people saying Adam Flagler's a point guard. He's not. He's an undersized two. He is not a point guard. They need James Akinjo, Rob Doster's preseason first team All-American. He is the most important player on that team. That position is the most important position in college basketball. And there was a possession late where Flagler had to create and tried to kick it out, and he threw it right into the hands of Oklahoma State, and it was like, that's where Akinjo's needed. Yep. Mm -hmm. Twice. Twice. Right. He drove down right. the lane. They were down by one. He drove they down the lane and right. throws the ball out of bounds. Right, just they win if Akinjo if Akinjo's on the court for the last nine and a half minutes. To me, Baylor wins this one. Now, does it, it, they still lost the other night? Okay, so there's still yes, I agree with you. I think it's a toss up between Kansas and Baylor at the end of the day. Now, Baylor's dug themselves one hell of a hole, losing two games to teams they shouldn't have lost at home. 
But I still think when you throw those two teams at each other, it's a toss up in terms of who wins. Yeah. And I also, the big 12 is, is, I mean, it's just a buzzsaw, man. Like there's no, we talk about how there's no nights off in the big 10. Well, that's not necessarily true. There's some teams at the bottom of the big 10 that are absolutely nights off every time that you play them. That's not the case. Like the, the team, we talk about Ken Palm, right? You know what the lowest ranked team right now on Ken Palm is in the big 12. 60th, right? Something like Kansas, Kansas State is 63rd. TCU oh, is 61st. TCU beat Oklahoma today, and Kansas State beat Texas Tech. Like Kansas we're State talking about Texas Tech. Like that's the league game. is ridiculous. Yeah. You so think? Are, are you telling to, me? Yeah. Are you telling me that the worst team in the Big 12 could be the second best team in the ACC today? <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're saying? Basically. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Hey, I'm not arguing, am I? Do I look hey, like I'm arguing? Hey, hey, speaking of the ACC, Jeff, we have a lot of a lot of people in the chat right now are asking you about uh, about Chris Mack and what the hell is going on. It's brutal. I mean, listen, when I was there in the preseason, I said to him, "If you can combine all three of your point guards, you'll have a pretty good point guard." <laughs> but, but honestly, like they're 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 good point guards. They're just not great point. They're not Louisville level point guards, and if he doesn't get in the tournament again this year with all the shit that's happened around that program. And, and I defended the hell out of him for the Dino Gaudio shit, because to me, that was garbage that they suspended him. complete garbage. It was stupid because he didn't bring in a compliance person or something or a human resources person, you know, to fire Dino Gaudio. I thought that was complete garbage by the school to do that. But the bottom line is if you don't get to the tournament two years in a, in a row at Louisville, yeah, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Can he? Can they use the the sanctions and all that? Is that an excuse still or no? Well, yeah, I mean it is because it's still hanging over their head and they can't recruit at the highest level, guys. Okay, so they're not. But they weren't. That wasn't going to be Chris Mack anyway. He wasn't going to get top ten or twenty players. So, you know, I, I think again you had a moves that were made on the staff that might have again last year's team didn't have a ton of talent beyond beyond the top three or four players okay and the other thing is listen to me the the biggest problem is is their front court right now Jalen Withers has been atrocious compared to what I thought he was like I I was to practice and I'm like this kid could be their best should be their best player he's got upside he could be a pro he he has not been good he's been very disappointing this year um, and again, if you don't same have a good thing point with Samuel play, Williamson, same thing with Samuel. Williamson. Like the, well, he was the, those were the two recruits. guys. Yeah. He those was, are the two guys. He was a McDonald's all American. He was born. I than think a top you knew recruit. though. I think they knew this year. Williamson wasn't going to be what people thought he was going to be coming out of high school, but I thought they, they think, you know, they had enough. They had enough. Well, their shooters aren't making shots, right? Like, uh, yes, Noah Locke <laughs> wasn't making shots and Matt cross wasn't making shots. And then you've got point guards that aren't point. It's just all over the place right now. So, yes, to answer the question, like, it's a mess right now at Louisville, a mess. See, this is yeah. why I like being on with, with Stadium Insider Jeff Goodman, because I, I can speculate till the cows come home about whether his job's in, in jeopardy. But you, you have a little more inside intel. I'm just I'm just a guy. Uh, on the court coming into the year, I was like, I kind of like some of the disparate parts that Louisville has. I, I, just putting them together and finding a star and getting offensive execution has not happened. The, the shot making has been really, really poor. I think that's kind of the first thing that they have to solve because then you get better floor spacing and they just don't have any of that right now. It's it's trouble in paradise in Louisville for sure. Yeah, and I don't think that it helps that uh, – I think very highly of Luke Murray as an X's and O's guy, right? And I think that not having him on the bench is definitely something that, that hurts them as well. Their offense this year went from the – I think they were 92nd in Ken Palm last season to and now they're 161st. Well, he brought in Ross McMains, a guy from overseas, from Europe that we met in the summer. I, I think you met him. Did you meet him with me, Rob? Were you no, he, he he gave me the uh, the blow by. The Heisman. Yeah, well, <laughs> everybody <laughs> gives not. you the blow by. Um, I, I, I am used to it at this point, man. Yeah. So they, they brought in somebody, Chris brought in somebody uh, from overseas that he thought was going to completely change the offense. And the bottom line is still you need point guard play to be able yeah. to run a really good offense. When, when I yeah. watched them earlier, I, I tweeted this at the time. They look like they're thinking about the next move. Like, where do I cut? Where do I pass? There's no, like, thinking to score. It's like, I've got to move it on and then go cut. 
where you want to naturally catch the ball and think about scoring. And it's just not really in their, in their mind yet. Cause I don't think the, the system that they've installed is, is fluid or natural to them yet. Yeah. It's uh, it's not pretty. Um, and it should never be pretty when you get blown out by Pitt, who is, uh, yeah, Pitt is Pitt. All right. So um, Pitt is Pitt. Pitt. Pitt is Pitt. And Pitt is not the Pitt of Ben Howland or Jamie Dixon either. Pitt is garbage. It's not your, older, right now. It's not your older brother's Pitt. Uh, I do want to circle back on one thing. You mentioned um, that if you combined all three of Louisville's point guards, you might actually have like one real point guard. Uh, I can't tell you how many times. Yeah, one good point guard. I can't tell you how many times you said that about the three-man weave. If you combine those three guys. (laughs) Come on. I didn't see that coming at all, and I should have. This is absolute garbage. He he does that. He does that. He just kind of sneak attacks. Oh, man. Hey, come on. That was pretty good. Uh, Listen, this is the Field of 68 After Dark. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching – on Twitter, please share, please hit that like button. Please leave a comment. Uh, all of that stuff really. And we're going to be on serious channel. starting. Yeah. We're going to be on serious starting Monday. I was about to get right, to that. Right, Can you let right. me finish my reset, please? We're going to be on serious XM 11 PM Eastern time, every single night during the college basketball season. It's channel 84, the ESPNU station. All right, guys, we had six teams that were ranked lose to unranked opponents. And that does not include uh, Oregon, who is currently up 30 to 19 at number five USC, who is probably the most overrated team in the history of college basketball right now. By yes, the way. We, I we said that too. That I said that a while ago. Thank you. You did. You did. Uh, so the six were Oklahoma State beat Baylor. Northwestern beat Michigan State in East Lansing. Arkansas beat LSU in Baton Rouge. Kansas State beat Texas Tech. Marquette beat Seton Hall. And Mississippi State beat Alabama. So let me ask you guys this, uh, not including USC, because I think we all kind of agree there. Uh, who, who are you most concerned about, Jim, out of that group of teams that I just mentioned? And, and you know what? Let's, let's throw Baylor out. We just had a long conversation about Baylor. Yeah, we can throw Baylor out, but I'm still going green. I'm concerned about Michigan State, man. That, that team, like game after game, they look pretty uninspired. They haven't figured out the offensive pecking order at all. You get a cold night from Max Christie, and suddenly they lose to Northwestern without Pete Mance. Right, right. This is that Northwestern team that lost it home to just lost at home to Maryland overtime. Like that is not a great loss at all. And they'd almost lost at Northwestern. The, the high point game wasn't really impressive. Like they, they've just been struggling lately. I was really high in them coming out of the, the Atlantis tournament. I was like, okay, Bingham's the shot blocker Walker's emerging as point guard, but they haven't really been able to put it together. I know the, the unscripted guys can probably speak to it more, but Jeff, to me, that's the team that it has the most alarm bells going off. Yeah, I, I guess I felt like this was the Michigan State we thought we'd see. Maybe not one that would lose at home to a Northwestern team without Pete Nance, but a team that wasn't going to be ranked 10th. Like, I don't think anybody sure. thought before this season, we thought they would be winning nine straight and, and going all the way to, to number 10 nationally. You know, at one point, really after the Champions Classic, Rob, we talked about this in the hallway. We were like, they don't have a star. I don't have a point guard. How good can Izzo make this team? What's the ceiling for this team might be, yeah, maybe he gets in the Sweet 16 because he's Tom Izzo. But frankly, there's a lot of holes with this team. And, and, and I do think it starts with taking care of the ball. And, and, and again, point guard play, like Tyson Walker, he was, he was decent. I mean, he had eight assists. Well, but you, you know what the biggest issue is? They don't have that dude. Well, right? we know like, that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We know and, that. And, and that can really limit you in the game. We're like North Northwestern played well, man. Like they were, they played, they were tougher than Michigan state in this game. And they were, believe it or not, they, they had a good game plan defensively. They were able to kind of take Michigan state out of what they wanted to do. And they didn't have anyone Michigan state. That is that could go out and make a play, especially on the perimeter when your offense is all right, let's throw it into Julius marble and see what happens. Like, that's when you know, like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. We might be kind of limited on the offensive end of the floor. And they no have disrespect a lot of to Julius Marble. Right. No, right. see that? I just yes. said something wildly Thank disrespectful. You. No disrespect <laughs> to Julius Marble. So you learned. If that's your guy, you learned from on. me. You learned from yes. me how to disrespect a guy with, <laughs> with basically the precursor that I'm not disrespecting you, but I really am. I'm yes. sorry. You know, that's it's it all about sucks. the caveat. Yep. It's all about the caveat. It's just, it's terrible. But you're right. You're right. Like this Michigan State team throw them in a hat with, you know, Ohio state and, and some of those other 
you know, I think we can admit Purdue and Illinois right now look like the class of the Big Ten. And then there's probably five or six other teams. Well, maybe not now because Maryland's certainly not in that group where we thought they were in the preseason. But, you know, there's probably four or five other teams that you could throw in a hat and on any given day. I, I want to see what Ohio State looks like when they get a healthy justice suing back. That's what I'll say. Because are, are they? That's, yeah. Is that at happening? At some point, yes. I think they will sooner rather than later. I think he'll be back here in the next couple of weeks. And all they need him, let's face it, what's Ohio State going to be? They're going to be a, a four to a six seed probably at the end of the day. So come March, as long as Justice Suing has had a month, if he can come back by February 1st and have a month before he starts to play in the Big Ten tournament, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Yeah, you know who I'm the most worried about out of that group? It's LSU. I just think that they are so... They don't have Pinson, though. But they didn't have Pinson today. Uh, but even even with Pinson, they're just so limited on the offensive end of the floor. And look, they are legitimately yeah. great defensively. Like Tari Eason is a monster. But so much of what they do is overwhelming teams that aren't great on the ball, forcing turnovers against teams that aren't anywhere near as athletic as them, being able to get out in transition and scoring easy baskets. Like they, they live on the pick six layups, right? Like that's what they do. And what happens is if you can get them in a half court situation, if you can not turn the ball over, if you can make shots against them, it just kind of, it makes you very limited. They, they are this year's example of why I don't trust teams that are pressing teams in March madness, because they rely on other teams making mistakes and the best teams in college basketball have great point guard play. And what do you do when you have great point guard play? You do not make mistakes. But so did anybody I, think LSU was this great team? I mean, I know they had they, they had vaulted themselves up into a you know top twenty five. It's like Iowa State. I mean, does anybody really think Iowa State's going to do major damage in March? Did anybody think LSU was that good? No. I to mean, me, they were, they were yeah, there were people that were talking about them as being someone that could win the SEC <sighs> seven days ago. You had LSU ranked second in the SEC and Kentucky third. ranked fifth in the I SEC. Third. I think I had third. No, you, you second. You find me the you find me the proof. Find either me the way, receipts. Either Bring way, the receipts. either Bring way, you receipts. had Kentucky right. fifth. Duster. You had Duster Kentucky doesn't fifth have behind. receipts. He doesn't. <laughs> he just makes go, he makes shit really, up. If you really want me to go find it, I will go find it. Yes, but you're, I would like you to find it. I would you like are you wrong on this one. You had. I just found it. LSU was second. I just found it. There we go. LSU was second. Unbelievable. You Rob, yeah, you, know you, how many, you. <laughs> you know how many points else you had with nine minutes left today? Not, not a lot. They had, they, was, they, had, they had 56, 56 right? and they finished with 58. That is absolutely yeah. terrible. Two points, final nine minutes. I think like Pinson matters. He's, he's a quality, like kind of shit disturber. Like he makes things happen on both ends of the court. But if he's that important, shit disturber. Where you're, where you're, Xavier Pinson is a quality shit disturber. Yeah, absolutely. Dagan, can we tweet that out now, please? <laughs> we, always, we always said that about Jacob Young for Rutgers. It's like they, they've got a bunch of guys and then they need a shit disturber to come in and kind of just make stuff happen. And that's, that's what he does. But I mean, if he's that important where the, where everything falls off to the point that they can't score against an Arkansas team that's had some issues of its own, uh, then the issues are more than Xavier Pinson. They're, they're more inherent with the team and the offense. Yeah, they and, couldn't score before him. Listen, they right, couldn't yeah. score before him. So I'm, I'm not yeah. saying there was some he, – he's the end-all, be-all. I'm just saying I didn't think they were that good to begin with. And then you lose a starter who's your point guard who's tough as shit. I, I think that, that, that makes you very, very vulnerable. And Arkansas wasn't quite as bad as they had been playing and really were playing loose today. They've got nothing to lose at this point. Nobody's expecting anything from them. Yeah. yeah. All right, let me ask you guys about Alabama really quick before we move on because they have now lost – three in a row they got blown out at missouri they gave up 92 points to a missouri team that was outside the top 200 in offensive efficiency when they did that uh they lost at home to auburn in a game where they actually you know made a run late uh they were kind of getting run out of the gym earlier on that uh that night and then they lost tonight at mississippi state by two 78 76 jim how concerned are you about the tide a little concerns the defense isn't there to keep the floor like it was last year and we had that discussion about Baylor earlier and their small guards. I think that is the exact same problem that Alabama has last year. Their, their maestro, the guy that created everything was a six foot eight point forward that could get in the lane and distribute to everybody. Now it's a six foot guy in, in Quinterly. That's he doesn't have quite the same passing angles. He can't make the same 
reads that, that Jones could at his size and the shooting's not quite as good, you know? So th- there's just a lot of things that are a little bit a notch below where they were last year. And that's why we're seeing them as like a top 25 ish team rather than a two seed and, and a threat to make a run. Herb Jones, man, just indispensable. Just in every single way, Herbert Jones was the guy who brought Alabama together last year, right? You mentioned it as the versatile kind of point guard that we never thought would be a point guard. Um, but on the other end of the court, he was even more valuable. He was a lockdown defender. You could put him on one through five. And, you know, that allowed them to be able to switch everything. And, and honestly, he held the rest of the team accountable defensively. They don't have anybody who can do that now. Yeah. So I mean, can like, I read I, you? Can, can, go ahead, Jim. I, I think Juwan Gary can do that, like, one through five stuff. But on offense, he's he, he can't drive and create the way Jones can. So, like, it's having guys that are, are specialists rather than the whole versatile monster that Jones was. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it was. He could do everything. And if you needed to go play, like, big, you could play him at the point. And also, like, John Petty was a really, really good defender. The, the lineups they had last year, there were times when Jaden Shackelford was the smallest guy on the floor. There were times now where Jaden Shackelford uh, is playing the three. So, right now, Alabama is 11-6 and six overall. They are 2-3 and three in the SEC. I'm going to read you their next six games. They are home for LSU, home for Missouri, at Georgia, home for Baylor, at Auburn, home for Kentucky. They could look up on February 6th and be sitting here at 13 and 10 overall and uh, four and eight four the you, you count Missouri as a win? Come on, they already lost to them once. <laughs> Good point. I mean, they better win their next three. They better – everybody beats Georgia, even, um, even Stack and Vandy. So, um, you know, to me, they better win their Damn. next three. If they if they can win the next three, you know you go three. Then then you're playing the next three: Baylor, Auburn, and Kentucky. Honestly, you win one of those three, you're fine. So they, they got to mm-hmm. be they got to start with LSU at home. You're going to get Missouri at home. You should beat Georgia on the road. If they if they win those three, they're back. They're feeling good about themselves, which is something I think this group needs. I don't yes. think this group's mental toughness is nearly like last year's. Yeah. All right. So this is the field of 68 after dark. My name is Rob Dawson. I'm joined by Jim Root from the three man read and stadium insider, uh, Jeff Goodman. We are going to be on Sirius XM starting on Monday night, 11 PM. We will be on the ESPNU channel. That is channel 84 on Sirius XM. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, please hit that like button. Please comment. Please jump in the chat. All of that interaction really does help the channel and help grows our network. All right. Really quick, I do want to talk to you guys about the teams that we do not think are getting enough attention in college basketball right now. Uh, Goodman, I'm no, you know what, Jim, I'm going to go to you first on this one. All right, I will start it off. Yeah, I, I'm going to the Big East. I know John Fant is probably going to be uh, just just brokenhearted that he couldn't get some of this Big East chatter going, but I think Marquette's the team we got to talk about. They have now cracked the top fifty at Ken Palm. They've won a bunch in a row in the Big East. A couple blowouts in there. They've beaten, uh, they beat Seton Hall today. It's like a, a definite tournament team right now. And, you know, early on we thought, okay, great home dog win against Illinois. Like that's just kind of Marquette's going to do that once in a while this year, but they're getting to the point where they're consistent. Igadaro has really emerged as like an offensive threat as a big man. Marcel had a career high today. He's shooting the ball for him a little bit. I, I just love what Marquette has been able to put together. They're feisty. They kind of embody exactly what Shaka is. And that's like, he wasn't able to do that at Texas. And now at Marquette, he's kind of found that underdog mentality again. And I, I just think the Golden Eagles are, are on the rise right now. Uh, according to Jeff Goodman, they are not an NCAA tournament team. <laughs> Jeff, I said that to before comment. today's win. Again, again. Here, I always have to, to, to try to explain myself because you take me out of context. <laughs> you know, you are, you are the king of, of screwing me because you take me out of context, use whatever you want to try to make your point instead of, you know, trying to, trying to be just a good human being who says it the way I said it. Facts don't matter. Facts don't matter. Yeah, who needs, who needs facts? We're all about content here. Jeff right, Goodman, who, I'm tweeting this Who out. do you got? Jeff Goodman just said, you are the king of screwing me. That's what he just said. <laughs> That's after who, dark who content got, right there. Bob, who do you got? Who do you got? Uh, I'm going with Oregon right now, and it's not well. It's Ooh, partly because they I kind of like that. Kinda, yeah, they are like that. they are really beating up on USC right now. And look, they were atrocious earlier on the season. Like they have some 
horrific losses. Uh, they got blown out. I think they lost by 32 to a BYU team that got blown out by Gonzaga. They lost to tw- by 29 to Houston. Um, it was ugly. It was ugly, ugly stuff. But we know that there's talent on this roster. I don't think anyone would argue that. And I think what we've seen is that, one, Will Richardson has kind of figured this thing out and figured out how he can be an impactful lead guard. Same thing with Jacob Young. I think that Dana Altman is kind of realizing the ways that he can utilize those two to make them be as impactful as possible. And I had this stat the other night. Uh, Oregon, when Will Richardson scores uh, in single figures, is one and four this season. The only win that they have when he scores in single digits is against Chaminade at whatever the uh, whatever they called the Maui this year in Las Vegas. The Jim Rue Invitational yeah. is what I'm going to Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, he's already got 15 tonight. Like, when he gets going, he is the perfect kind of lead guard, scoring guard that Dana Altman's offenses thrive with. Think about Joseph Young. Think about Tyler Dorsey. Think about players like that. He's also got some size to him. He Like, he could, they could do some of the stuff that they did with Dylan Brooks uh, with with um, Will Richardson. So I, I think that this Oregon team, they're going to have a horrible seat. They're probably going to end up as like a, a 7, 8, 9 seed. And I'll tell you what, I do not want to be the two seed in the region that has Oregon somewhere at the other side of the bracket. Yeah, some some jamoke on threemanweave.com picked them to go to the Final Four in the preseason. That, that may or may not have been me. And so going that bold with the Ducks made me jump as far off the bandwagon when they started playing poorly. And so now I got to dive all the way back in. I, I, this is what, the, what I was hoping to see preseason. I thought there was talent there. Uh, and man, it has come together. If, if they sweep the LA trip uh, on two teams that were supposed to be like the clear unassailable top three of the league, I, the, the ducks are for real as a, as a contender out of that conference. No doubt. You know, you know who else is a contender, maybe not to win the big East, but to be better than Marquette in the big East is Villanova. I mean, uh, Xavier, I'm sorry, Xavier. <laughs> um, they're only losses. So two to Villanova and, and uh, one to Iowa state at Barclays. Those are their only three losses. They, they haven't had Zach Fremantle healthy yet, like 100%. You know, he missed the first six games with a broken foot. But they got wins against Ohio State, Marquette. They beat Creighton uh, today. They, they Virginia Tech on a neutral court. And, and, again, I just – I like them because I think the pieces fit together, right? You got two really good bigs and Fremantle and Nunji. And they're different. They can actually play those guys together because Nunji's able to step out. Um, you're not great defensively, but you could do it if you need to. Scruggs is a fifth-year guy. Nate Johnson can make shots. They got, I think, six guys averaging between eight and 13 points. So they're they're veterans. I, I just I feel like they're completely not underrated. I, I guess undervalued would be a better word for, for Xavier. Uh, and again, to me, if Fremantle can get back closer to what he needs to be. I mean, this was a guy who put up huge numbers last year, and most people thought would be an all-first-team Big East guy this year, and he's still getting there. Yep. All right. So we were able to catch up with uh, with Jeff Goodman's guy, Zach Fremantle, earlier on this afternoon after – uh, the Musketeers landed an 80 to 73 win over was was it Creighton? I can't even remember. It feels it like that great. game yep. was played yep. played three days ago. Yes. <laughs> and now let me welcome on to the field of 68 after dark Xavier Center, Zach Green. Jack, you're 13 points, level more tonight. How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. You know, it was my first real game where I got a good amount of minutes. You know, I got to go up and down a lot, so I felt really good tonight. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. You played 33 minutes tonight. You are coming off of a foot injury. Uh, you guys had a little bit of a COVID pause and missed some time there. So how, how did it feel to kind of get back out there and play real minutes again? It felt really good, you know. Um, it's been a while. It's been a real long process, so to be able to go out and do that, help my team get the win, it felt great. All right, so, Zach, how how close are you to 100%? You still – I know you missed a couple that normally you would make. How close are you to getting back to full strength? I mean, it's definitely getting there, definitely trending in the right direction. Um, if I had to put a number on it, I'd probably say around 85 90%. 
there's no real pain there. It's just it's still a little discomfort. You guys brought in uh, Jack Nunji during the offseason, and you guys have actually played some, some kind of minutes together uh, now that you are back. So well, how has it been kind of adjusting to having another big guy on the floor with you, and how has it been meshing with the player as good as he's been? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's always a process. You know, you got to figure out your own strengths, his strengths, how you can complement each other. But I feel like we were able to do that tonight. We were able to, especially defensively, we were able to use me and his size. We were able to get a lot of rebounds and do what we had to do tonight. I've said it to people. I think you guys are vastly underappreciated in terms of what you can be when you get back to 100%. Uh, you have veterans. You have point guard play. You have toughness. You have shooters. You have two bigs, like Rob said. You know, your first two years, you, you didn't go to the NCAA tournament. Why do you think this team can be so dangerous come March? Uh, I think a big part of it is the chemistry we have. Um, there's no there's no clicks going on. There's no people, you know, some people over here, some people over there. We all on the same boat, going the same direction, and we all just want to win. So I think we can be special. So what a lot of people don't know about you, you're a T-neck New Jersey guy, the home of ABCD camp. You were you probably weren't even born uh, when, when, last time they had ABCD, but it was awesome. But you used to go down to Rucker Park in, in I was having a much better night until uh, this kid from Cal Baptist just uh, pretty much ended my chance of winning that bet. Anyway, we are we're going to go do three cheers before we get out of here tonight. Uh, what we do to end these shows is have a little toast. We all got a little beverage over here. So we're going to have a little toast uh, to uh, players, coaches, teams, anything that you want to that you want to toast. So, Goodman, I'm going to you first on this one. All right. I, you know, it was tough for me. I was going to go with Juice Hill from Murray State. He had 36 points, eight from 11 from three, huge win uh, at Belmont. I was thinking about going a little Northwestern for Chris Collins, who's on the hot seat. And without Pete Nance, we talked about that at the Breslin Center. Uh, I'm going with a coach, and uh, I'm going with a coach who passed away today, Joe B. Hall, former Kentucky coach, died at 93 years old today. Um, and if you didn't know, he won the national title in 1978. He was actually... He succeeded Adolph Rupp. He was his assistant for seven years and then succeeded him. Coach for 13 years at Kentucky from 72 to 85. And uh, Rob, can you tell me the best player on the national title team in 1978? I cannot. Goose Givens. Goose. Bring the goose to him. Goose Givens, Rick Roby, who played for the Celtics. He was like, a big stiff who backed up uh, Robert Parrish for the Celtics and Kyle Macy, who could really shoot and does some TV for ESPN, I think, uh, now. So Joe B. Hall, uh, 93 years old, young, uh, passed away today. Salud. R.I.P. R.I.P. Jim, go ahead. All right. Uh, I'm not – well, I, I thought you were going to go first, so I was going to follow up. But my best bet this morning on our show – was the Rice Marshall over. And so I am cheersing to coaches who aren't sure when the game is over or not and just keep fouling. Thank you, Dan D'Antoni, for fouling down 10 with 15 seconds left to get us there in the over. Cheers to that. Cheers, <laughs> cheers to Dan D'Antoni. I Dan D'Antoni, who loves to score points. That's Absolutely. Why Absolutely. Yep. 
Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Darius McGee. Uh, he popped off for 48 points. He scored 37 in the second half to lead the Liberty wow. Flames to a comfort behind win uh, at Florida Gulf Coast at FGCU in Fort Myers uh, today. So I'm going to shout him out, but that's not my cheers. My cheers is Mike Boynton. My cheers is everybody on that Oklahoma State roster. My cheers is everybody within that basketball program. Uh, the people that pay attention to, to this content in this channel know how I feel about the NCAA's decision to uh, uphold the NCAA tournament. It was bullshit. Them. It's horrible. It's horrible. I could not possibly hate it more. I do not need to go on that rant. I do not need to ruin my Saturday night by yelling about it more. So we're going to celebrate here. Mike Boynton leads those dudes into Waco. They knock off the number one team in the country. They knock off the reigning champions. Uh, they have a chance to really, you know, celebrate this college basketball season. And when you are banned from the postseason, a lot of times you don't really get a chance to do that. So to Mike Boynton, to Oklahoma State Cowboys, uh, to the three-man weave, to Jim Root, to Jeff Goodman, to our producer, Dagan Hughes, who tolerates all three of us, which is not the easiest thing to do. This has been the Field of 68 After Dark. Thank you for tuning in. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.